takes the snap. Sets up, looks, looks, looks. He's going to throw one way down there to T.Y. He's got it. He's going to score. He's going to score. He's going to score on a 64-yard pass play. Harper's on Miller. McKee gets it in the middle for the win. It's Four tenths of a second. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be willpower. Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. The Brickyard 400 for Keselowski. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Bragging Rights with Daniel Bragg. I am your host, Daniel Bragg. I sincerely apologize for the lack of podcasts in the last few months. It's been crazy. My personal life's been crazy. My work life's been crazy. And I appreciate everybody that still listens loyally when you do see the notification that it's up on either iTunes or Google Play or whenever I share it on Facebook or Twitter. I really appreciate the support that everyone has given me and continues to give me in this uh, dream and pursuing this dream going forward. Uh, We are live on Die Hard Sports Radio via Mixler, uh, if you are listening live. Uh, You can interact with Die Hard Sports Radio on their new website at dhsradio.com. On the site, you can find the lineup of shows, blog posts by show hosts, and stream all live shows if we are live when you go to the site. Uh, Today, we're going to cover... Uh, a little NFL, the Pro Bowl was yesterday. Uh, a little bit of the Super Bowl, obviously, is coming up this Sunday. And uh, some Colts news. Then we're going to get into Pacers and Purdue basketball and the continued success that they have had recently. But first, we're going to talk about the Pro Bowl. The AFC beat the NFC yesterday 26 7 in another meaningless waste of time that is continued and the tradition is boring and everyone everyone hates the Pro Bowl but yet we continue to do it I don't know why but someone's got to be watching right like they're, they're not going to put this on if no one's watching but I mean I know some people are watching I, I have people at work I have co-workers that say they love football so much that they'll watch the Pro Bowl they love football so much that they watch like the the meaningless bowls in college I, I don't understand it. I love football, too. Apparently, I don't love it as much as they do. And you know what? I'm cool with it. If if my lack of love for football means I don't have to sit through a barely watchable football game, if that's what you want to call it, then I, I guess I'm cool with it. Uh, the worst, worst thing that came out of the game yesterday is the worst thing that always comes out of an All-Star game. Someone got injured. And not just somewhat, Juju Smith-Schuster got injured. Now, they say it's not bad, but he was seen limping to the bus after the game and didn't talk to any media. He injured his, uh, I believe, he injured a knee. I don't know which one it was. Again, I didn't watch it. I just saw the news. Um, which just adds to the fact that why are, why are we still doing this? Why is the NFL still doing this? And why are people still watching? It's bad, okay? It, it's just, it's so bad. The NBA... Pl- all-Star game at least serves some purpose. Uh, I don't know what it is, but we all watch it because it's fun. And they're still playing basketball. See, here's the thing. Basketball isn't a contact sport, so you can have an All-Star game and it be enjoyable. You get these high-scoring affairs. Hockey, high-scoring affairs, because, again, they're out there having fun. Now, hockey, I believe, 
excuse me, hockey, I believe, still goes by that mantra of the game means something, which is all right. I prefer I prefer that the game means something. I be honest with you. Every All Star game, especially if it's in the middle of the season, should determine every All Star game. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Every All Star game should have meaning. The NBA All Star game should determine who gets home court advantage. I know that used to be the case. I don't think it is anymore. If I'm wrong, correct me. But I'm pretty sure I'm right. Which means it's just it's guys having fun, which is great. Look, I know. I, I, maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I, maybe I expect too much out of competition to where it's always a competition, not just for fun. Um, but if I'm going to watch an all-star, if I'm going to watch any game, I want it to matter to the people playing in it because that's what makes it important to me. If you don't care about the game, why are we out? Why am I going to tune in to watch guys not care about the game? That's just, that's just me. But the other thing, the the other beef I have with the All-Star Games is the amount of power that we give to the fans to vote for it. I Look, people, if if politics has shown us anything, if if anything has shown us anything, if you do a popular vote, it doesn't mean that you get the best of you don't get the best result every time. Now, m- most of the time, yes, you get the people that are supposed to be there that should be there and they get the job whether it's an all-star game or whatever. But we all know, we all know, certain players, I'm not going to say names because then it just seems like I'm, you know, I'm being bitter. I'm not being bitter. It's not just, it's not just the fact that Darius Leonard, see, look, I threw out his name. It's not that just Darius Leonard was not in the Pro Bowl. He wasn't the only one that got snubbed. And we all know it was a snub. The, the, anybody, nobody can say that he didn't get snubbed out of that game. But it doesn't matter because it, it's the Pro Bowl. It really doesn't matter. But that's why I really hate that players can use that as an accolade. Like, media throws that around, how many Pro Bowls you were in. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care le- All that means is that you won a popularity contest. That's all that means is that players, coaches, and fans like you. It doesn't mean that you actually deserve to be in it. You want a real Pro Bowl? Take first-team All-Pro and second-team All-Pro. That's your Pro Bowl. Or here's an idea. Do first-team All-Pro Bowl, second-team All- or first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro. Do a draft from that. Make two captains or coaches or whatever you want to do and draft from that, that talent pool. That would be a fun game to watch. But again... It wouldn't because they're not going to try because this game is pointless and they all know that. They're all looking forward to vacation. That's why so many of them back out of it. So many of them back out and say, oh, I uh, I tweaked my ankle. Ow. And they'll hobble around for like a day if there's a camera around to convince everybody that they didn't just back out and want to start vacation early, which I can't blame them if they want to start vacation early. It's a meaningless game. It's a meaningless game. Now, ironically, I say it's a meaningless game. If you were talking to my wife, she'd say every game's meaningless. But, you know, that that that's that's another conversation for another day or another show, whatever. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the, the Pro Bowl, 26-7. The NFC scored the fewest amount of points in the Pro Bowl since 1994. It was a rain-filled game. It was a sloppy game. It just it was not fun to watch. I watched highlights. It was not fun. So even the highlights are slightly boring because no one's trying. 
Yeah, Eric Ebron caught a touchdown pass from uh, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Uh, th- I mean, that's my reaction. Okay. But anyways, we, we did it. It's over. We can all move forward to the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday between the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I'm glad I got that right, actually. That's the first time I, I think in regular conversation said Los Angeles Rams. Anyways, um, here's why I'm rooting for the Patriots. I don't know that the Patriots are going to win, but I'm rooting for it. And it's because, and again, you can call me bitter. I don't care. Uh, I know I'm bitter. I hold a lot of grudges. I don't care. Uh, the Rams shouldn't be there. And we all know this. We all know it. And if you deny it, and if you say one play didn't change the game, you're full of it, and you know it. You know you're full of it. The Rams should not be in this game. It should be the Saints. And I'm not even a Saints guy. I'm a Purdue guy, so I'm a little bit... So I'm mostly a Breeze guy. But still, they shouldn't be in the game. And then, and then, check this out. I'm looking at stuff before the show to uh, put my show notes together. And I see that there's a story on NFL.com. These people have no, apparently their writers have no sense of uh, of timing whatsoever. N- none of it. No, it doesn't even pay attention. They have a story up there about why the Boston-LA rivalry is important. Now, you just screwed the Saints out of the Super Bowl. Literally screwed them. I'm going to that's how I describe it. They screwed them out of the Super Bowl. And you're going to write a story about why the rivalry between Boston and LA is important just to feed in like do you like conspiracy theories? Is that what you know is is that the goal is to get conspiracy theories because that it really doesn't shake off any of them. For those people that really think that you did it on purpose. That you did it on purpose to get Boston versus L.A. You really wanted the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl for no other reason other than they're in Los Angeles. And you run a story like this. And I'm sorry, the only people that care about the Boston-L.A. rivalry are people in Boston and L.A. I, I, I couldn't care less about Boston and L.A. Look... I am 29 years old. I didn't grow up with great Boston and great L.A. going head-to-head. I don't remember the Larry Bird years. I don't remember uh, the Magic Johnson years. It doesn't mean anything to me. It means something to people that are in their 40s, maybe, if you really like L.A. or really like Boston. But to write a story like that, and in... (laughs) in the climate that we're in right now, where we've got actual lawyers trying to sue the NFL, which we all know it's going nowhere, but the fact that it's actually happening, and you still run this story, it's hysterical. And it shows that you have no sense of timing or anything like that and the environment around you. You're, you're just going to run this story regardless of what's happening, regardless of what people are saying about you, anything. And, and someone actually approved that story to go on the website. So it went through multiple layers of checks and still got signed off on saying, yeah, we're going to run it. You should probably rethink that. You should probably rethink running that story just simply because you're the one. Look, if you want to write that story and send it to someone at ESPN, do that. You want to write that story and send it to someone to Fox? Do that. Send it to NBC. Don't post it on NFL.com. That is a terrible, 
terrible. <laughs> like it, the the optics of this, they, they don't make sense. Why you would run that story on a website for the NFL when everyone thinks that you literally screwed the Saints out of the Super Bowl to get the LA Rams to the Super Bowl. And I understand, look, we could debate all day about whether the Saints really got screwed out of that Super Bowl. Look, I know the Saints got the ball first in overtime. I understand that. I know Drew Brees threw the interception. But, and I've heard people on the radio, and it, it it's ridiculous, okay? To say that we don't know if that call really changed the result, really. Like, I heard somebody the other day said, well, you don't know if Breeze, what if Breeze botches the handoff between the center and he fumbles and the Rams recover it? Like, when you're so desperate to make a, to make an example as to say, Breeze is going to forget how to take a snap. Like, come on. We all know if the if if it's called, and I tell you what, they probably don't run. I I don't know that they knee it three times, because it's Sean Payton. So you're right. We don't know if Breeze would have fumbled because I think if you get the ball on the three, the two, the one, wherever it was going to be, I don't know that the Saints don't go for the touchdown. But it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. They probably just do three kneel downs and be done. So, I mean, the the Saints got screwed, and we all know it. But it, it just the story, it looks suspicious. But um, on the Colts' front, Adam Vinatieri officially signed his extension today, which is good news for those of us that were worried about the kicker. I don't think any of us were. But he did officially sign for one year or $3.875 million, if you care about that. Um, and then we'll re- I'm, I'm – Assuming they'll reassess it at the beginning of next or at the end of next year, I don't know how long Adam Vinatieri is going to play. I know he can play until he's like fifty. I firmly believe he can play until he's fifty, but we'll see uh, how long he actually decides he wants to play. He's so invested in Indianapolis. His his son was out at training camp helping out. Uh, he really is a great asset for the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm glad that he's going to be back next season. Moving on to the Pacers and a little bit of news. Uh, Victor Oladipo underwent successful knee surgery today to repair his ruptured quad tendon. Uh, they don't have a timetable on his return. Uh, the reason I'm concerned about this injury more than anything is the fact I heard somebody on the radio last week say that uh, he could be great and and back to his old self in 18 months to a, two years. Or to a year, whatever it is. A year to 18 months. Now, forgive me, but without a calendar in front of me, uh, 18 months means he's missing all of next season, too. Now, that is a cause for concern. Now, I understand. Look, I'm, I don't want the guy to rush back. He He's going to be... I, I really think he'll still be uh, mostly his old self when he comes back. I, certainly, I hope so. Uh, Oladipo has been great since he came to Indianapolis. He's done great things. He's embraced this city. He's embraced this state. I love him for it. And, and he makes watching the, the Pacers fun again uh, for all those years since Reggie retired, really. Um, that it was a struggle. Even with Paul George here, it was still a struggle. They weren't fun to watch. They were good, but were they really fun to watch? I don't, I don't know. But... Um, so I really hope he takes his time and does come back perfectly healthy. I don't want him to rush back at all, and I don't think he will. 
With that being said, 18 months is a long time. I mean, if we're missing him for a if they're missing him for a whole another season on top of the rest of this season, that's a problem. And I, I'm not saying I want them to go get anybody. I don't. I think they should ride it out with who they have. Absolutely. But it brings up a a are are they gonna? Because I don't think they're. It's too late in the season to tank. They're the, even if they tried to tank and miss the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. I I think they still make the playoffs even if they tried to tank right now. The East is that bad. They're what like 16 games over. Uh, I think it's 16, 15, 16 games over 500. I mean, you're you're, you're not going to fall out of the playoffs even if you lost two thirds of the games left in the season. They probably still win. So, or they still they probably still make the playoffs is what I mean. So, um, you know, it it it's it's good that the surgery was successful, and uh, we'll see how just how long it takes for him to come back. I I hope for nothing but the best. Uh, and his success, and even if he doesn't come back the same player, if if it was a career ending, I'd still hope for the best. Because uh, Oladipo, on a human level, is is a great guy, and um, I just I really, really, really hope that he can come back and play at the level that he did even before this season. Because all, all this season, really, he was hampered. He was hampered by that knee knee injury before. And since he came back, the Pacers were actually. To, I mean, at least watching them on the floor. They looked better before he came back from his injury, and then when he came back, I don't, I, I don't know what it was. Like I, in the games that I had watched, they they looked like they were missing something. It was like they were trying to get Oladipo to be, um, not the leader because he's always a leader, but they they were trying to make him the superstar like he was last year, and it just it hadn't been working. I don't know if he he was still injured. I don't know what it was, um. But, you know, maybe, I don't want to say this is a good thing for the team, because it's not. No no injury is good for the team. Um, but I, I just don't think it's doom and gloom since he's out. Uh, he's a great player for this team. He's a great asset for this team. But I think um, Pritchard has done a good enough job to build that team for this season. You still have Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans is a former, what, top five pick in the draft? former rookie of the year I, th- I think Tyreek Evans can be uh I mean if they can get uh well I mean we'll double digits out of him a night even you know around 15 that'd be great Bogdanovich has been great this season and uh has done a really good job of taking over the team as far as scoring wise sent uh in the games that Oladipo has been out Miles Turner has been stepping it up and uh it's great to see my problem is now we're now we're seriously talking about Carmelo Anthony. I have a problem with that. Carmelo Anthony doesn't work anywhere. Why, oh why do people think that he's going to work here? Like it, it makes no sense to me. Look, it, this is not Syracuse, Carmelo Anthony. It's not even Denver, Col- Carmelo Anthony. It's not even New York, Carmelo Anthony. At this point, he's a shell of himself. He's a guy that. Probably should have hung it up already, and he's still floating around, bouncing from team to team, playing off the bench. I mean, I I do not want him in Indianapolis. I don't. I don't want him in Indianapolis the same way I don't want uh, Antonio Brown in Indianapolis. 
not for the same reasons, because I don't think, I, at least not in recent memory, I don't remember Carmelo Anthony ever being a problem in the locker room. I just, I don't want him. I don't, <laughs> I don't want him in Indianapolis. I don't think it's a fit. I think uh, he's, I mean, he's from big cities. He's from bigger markets. Coming to Indy, I don't think would gel with him. I just don't like the idea of Carmelo Anthony coming in. And especially I saw where <laughs> my, my buddy Ray on uh, on Twitter said something. Of, I thought, I'm pretty sure he was joking. Um, I'm almost positive he was joking. He, he, he likes to give me crap for my Miles Turner takes, which is understandable. I've got a lot of bad takes, okay? Everybody does. But uh, I've always been hard on Miles Turner. And he sent me a tweet saying, you know, my, trade Miles Turner for Carmelo Anthony. And I posted a GIF as a reply, uh, I believe saying done or do it or something like that. Like basically uh, joking, sarcastically saying, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. It got way too many likes, guys. Way too many likes. Uh, look, it's it, I wasn't being serious at all. We No. Why, who want, like, I don't understand why Pacers fans want Carmelo Anthony, and the fact that I'm having to address it means it's a serious issue. Like, people are noticing that there, there's a real call for Carmelo Anthony to come to the Pacers. No. Just, <laughs> that, that's all I can say about it. Just, no. They don't need him on the defensive side. They don't need him on the offensive side. That team is good. Darren Collison is still coming around. But this will get um, Aaron Holiday more minutes, and absolutely he should get more minutes. Aaron Holiday has been great. Sumner possibly gets more minutes when getting called up, but there's a good chance he just sits on the end of the bench. But still, it'll be okay. I, I think the the season, look, the season's not lost. They still make the playoffs. I think they still get the four or five seed. Um, do they win a series? I think they could win a series depending on the seed. And that's really all we can hope for. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, should we we make the playoffs and then lose the first round and then get that better draft pick? Well, you're not going to tell professional athletes to uh, lay down just to get a better draft pick. It's not going to work. Oladipo wouldn't let him. Miles Turner won't let him. Thad Young, the personally, to me, leader of that team, won't let them, as they shouldn't. So... Are the aspirations for Eastern Conference Finals gone? More than likely, yes, without Oladipo. But it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. He's only, what, 20, 25, if that. He's, he's not very, 26 maybe. He, he's not very old. Okay, so it's not the end of the world. Um, and, and, you know, We'll see. We'll see what happens the rest of the season and going into next season. I I really truly believe that the Pacers are on the uptick. They're doing a good job uh, in the front office, even though they're not making a whole lot of moves. And I don't think they should. The same thing with the Colts. They're not going to make a whole lot of moves. And a lot of people want them to get really active in free agency. I don't see it. It it, it doesn't seem like Chris Ballard's mo, which I know that bothers a lot of people because the Colts have so much cap space. But I think most of that cap space is going to be spent on re-signing players. I think the Colts bring back Dontrell Inman and uh, pray that Deion Kane's good. And they might go after one. They might go after one wide receiver. But they need more help on the defensive side. I don't care what anybody says. Look, I know this offense is 
the Colts offense is not built like Peyton's offense was, but it's a different time. Those weapons aren't out there right now. Um, and, and look, (laughs) Andrew Luck still finished with the second most touchdowns in the league this past year with guys that are dropping the ball and guys that (laughs) just can't catch, you know? So yes, wide receiver is a need. I just don't know that it's a dire need. And, uh, Going back to NBA, I got off track. Going back to the NBA, uh, Anthony Davis, the news broke today uh, that he demanded a trade or didn't demand. Well, I don't know. Do you call it a demand? Either way, he asked for a trade, requested a trade from the New Orleans Pelicans. We all already knew this, but they had to make it official. I I guess they had to make it official to leverage it. There's 10 days before the trade deadline. Question is now, can the Lakers... The Lakers have 10 days, essentially. Well, nine days, because it didn't get done today. Uh, can they get it done? Can Magic Johnson get it done to get him there? And, and I feel for the city of New Orleans, because this is the exact same situation that the Pacers went through when um, PG decided he wanted out. And I think the the Pelicans should do the exact same thing that the, the Pacers did. Do not trade one. I wouldn't trade him where he wants to go. Call it petty. Call it what you will. I wouldn't trade him to where he wants to go. I just refuse. But what, I mean, do what's best for your team. The Lakers right now have the best pieces. But the thing is, I don't know that they give up as many pieces as they should have to. Because here's the thing. They know, they know that he's eventually going to become a Laker. Or, they don't know. Well, and that's the other thing. They don't know that. Because PG was supposed... That was the plan with PG all along. Was he was going to go to a, a team for one year, then sign with the Lakers. He didn't do that. They missed on PG. They can't miss on this Anthony Davis. They can't. But I heard some interesting stuff on TV today about possibly the Knicks even coming in. The Celtics, I think, are the best, the best landing spot and the best situation for... The uh, the Pelicans, but they'd have to wait until the uh, wait until June or July. So I don't know. There's nine days left, and uh, we'll see if he can go anywhere. Um, it annoys me that players have the power that they do in the NBA. And yes, I'm whining about that, but it it, it just drives me around the bend. These players should not be running the league like they are. These GMs basically have a basically don't have a job anymore. They don't determine anything. They just, they wait until the players say, hey, I want to come to you. And, you know, I I hate that. I hate that superstars of the NBA are running the NBA. And that's literally what they're doing. They're running the NBA. But I'm not going to spend too much on that soapbox. Uh, lastly, talking about Purdue. Purdue basketball beat uh, Michigan State Spartans at Mackey last night, 73-63 in a great team win that they really needed. And my son keeps shutting the door. I apologize if you can hear that. Um, it's Purdue's now, uh, Purdue has now won five straight and is seven to two in the conference. The team is coming alive and it's great to watch. Uh, I had the opportunity, uh, to work with Fox sports on the broadcast of the Purdue IU game. And it was a blast to see that game in Mackey. It was a blast to see the environment. It was a blast to see them beat IU personally. Um, but Purdue basketball is really coming alive, especially since conference play started. 
and uh, really coming alive since Michigan State whipped them in East Lansing. So Purdue's through obviously the hardest part of their schedule. They're they're at seven and two in the conference, and I believe fourteen and seven. Yeah, fourteen and seven, I believe, on the uh, on the season so far. They're still well within the hunt for the Big Ten uh, regular season title. The the only problem is they would need Michigan State to lose another one, and uh, they would need Michigan. Or even Michigan, I think, would have to lose another one, if not two in order for Purdue to jump them, and I don't see that happening. And that, that that would involve Purdue going undefeated the rest of the year. And while that's attainable, I believe, uh, because of the rest of their schedule, I mean, I think they have Minnesota twice. They've got uh, Penn State on coming up on Thursday. They've got Maryland again, which will be a tough one. They've got Ohio State, but it's at Mackey. Um, and, and they've got... Uh, I don't remember who else. But, I mean, they, they don't have really any of the tough, tough games anymore. Uh, they're kind of through that. And, and unless they play Michigan one more time, I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. Um, but either way, they're, they're having a great season so far. And it's, it's, really, it's really great because a lot of people were down on them when they, when they couldn't beat the beginning of the season, especially in the non-conference. They really couldn't beat any of the ranked opponents. Uh, they should have beaten Virginia Tech. They should have beaten Texas. Um, and there's a couple more. Hold on, let me let me pull up their schedule real quick. Uh, yeah, they should have beat Virginia Tech. They should have beat Florida State. They only lost Florida State by one. Uh, they should have beat Texas. Uh, Michigan walked walked them, which is the worst one. Notre Dame loss is sort of inexplicable. I don't understand that. But I mean, aside from that, I mean they were they weren't bad, and they were in in competition with them throughout every single game. And this is nothing more than Matt Painter's team is getting better throughout the season, which is great to see. Look, as a Purdue fan, uh, it's been a struggle to watch uh, Purdue ba- Purdue Athletics for most of my life. Uh, since Matt Painter took over, uh, it's been great. Since Jeff Brom took over, it's been great. And is it great on a level of them winning national titles? No, but here's the thing. And the big problem that you run into when you see IU fans versus Purdue fans, Purdue fans are ecstatic about regular season titles and Sweet 16s. Okay, we we love it. That's a success to me. <laughs> That's a success to me. A big t- uh, Purdue football beat IU and make a bowl. Great season. And yeah, I shoot low because I know we're not Alabama. I know in basketball, we're not North Carolina and Duke. Like, we have realistic expectations. The problem with IU fans is they're still stuck in the 80s thinking that they're, they're obviously still a perennial, they're going to win a national title. No, you're not. They've got problems right now. I'm not going to dive into them, but they've got problems with that team. And I really, really don't like that Archie Miller is taking all the brunt of the blame. I don't blame their, their shortcomings on Archie Miller's at least coaching ability at all. This is only his second season, and I look. I understand that basketball is a different game than football, but I, I, every college player, every coach deserves four years, and I'll tell you why. And it's because of recruiting. When you show up on that year one, you don't have a single player that you recruited, not a one. So you're playing with house money that first year. You could lose every game. It's not your team. It's the team you were given. Second season, you sort of have an excuse. Football, you have a bigger excuse. But in basketball, you sort of have an excuse, short of when you go out and get the 
quote-unquote greatest high school player of all time in Indiana, who is not living up to his name, by the way. I don't care what anybody says. Romeo Langford's a disappointment so far. I, I, look, that's just what it is. But anyways, uh, Purdue because <laughs> Purdue jumped to uh, number 17 in the rankings after being un- after not being ranked, which is a great, great sign that they're finally getting some recognition among the media and the coaches. All the other numbers, uh, if you look at RPI, you look at BPI. BPI is a big one that I look at on ESPN's website. I don't know why. I just I don't use it as a Bible, but I use it as I think it's a great barometer of how good they are. And they're at nine on uh, ESPN's website. And in fact, they're I believe I saw number seven because they run they run numbers and predictions and whatnot on and likelihood that they win the whole national title and everything. And look. I'm not expecting Purdue to win a national title by any stretch of the imagination. But they're seventh. That's what I'm saying. All the numbers love them. Let's rank the schedule. They're third. Like, they, they've played a very hard schedule. And for their record to be what it is, is extremely impressive. And I think it, come March, they're really, really going to threaten for not only a Sweet 16, but a potential Elite Eight, potentially Final Four, depending on what number one seed they go up in, it, it, depending on what bracket they fall in. March is crazy. It, it, it's completely a, a, a crapshoot, really, especially uh, to predict until you see the bracket because matchups matchups are everything. Uh, and like I said, Purdue's next game is Thursday against Penn State. I believe it is at Mackey. Give me one second. No, it's at Penn State. It doesn't really... It, Look, it's Penn State. They should take care of business. Then they got Minnesota, Nebraska. Uh, their next hard game shouldn't be until the middle of February when they're playing Maryland. Uh, if Purdue plays the way they've been playing, they're going to take care of the business the next three weeks or next three games, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but again, as as a basketball fan in Indiana, uh, it it's not all doom and gloom. College basketball. Look, if 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 the Pacers season starts going out of out of hand uh at least we all have purdue because iu iu might make the tourney because right now they're they're predicting that about 10 teams come out of the big 10 and right now they're predicting iu finishes 10th so we might see both purdue and iu in the tourney we might see notre dame i don't know uh butler i think at this point is going to have to win their conference uh tournament i don't i don't know that butler is going to be able to make it into the tourney but anywho, that is it for this show. Uh, the half hour is up. Actually, I'm over. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really sorry again that the podcast have been few and far between. I've, I've really been busy with... Uh, I, I've had some great uh, professional opportunities to help out uh, f- with Fox Sports, uh, tr- working on getting some uh, experience with them, working on getting experience with some other people I know uh, many of you know that I'm going to school for uh, sports casting through Full Sail University, and that's still going great. Uh, jobs going great, everything's going great in my life, and it's just been it's been crazy. And I want to I I really want to keep the podcast a priority. And I apologize to everybody that has subscribed, and I haven't been uh, uploading as many as I should. I've been missing shows, and um, I, I really really apologize for that I've really considered um doing shows throughout the week not just on Monday that is a strong likelihood it all depends on again personal life private life but 
Anyways, I really appreciate, really, really appreciate. You guys don't understand how much I appreciate you guys for listening and involving yourselves in the show, interacting with me via Twitter or Facebook. It's great. If you miss any part of the show, uh, you can, again, find it on, you can find the complete podcast on Die Hard Sports Radio's page, uh, on Mixler, on SoundCloud, on Google Play Music, or iTunes. Just search for Bragging Rights with Daniel Bragg. I, again, really appreciate you guys, and I will talk to you later. Bye.